Time now for Breaking Bones with Dr. George Bari and Joe C. An informative but laid-back approach to sports medicine on 1010XL. Yeah. Now, let's break some bones. Sunday morning. I hope it's part of your Sunday morning. It's Breaking Bones right here on 1010XL. Joe C. along with Dr. George Bari. Welcome in. Hopefully you got the coffee brewing. A little cup of Joe goes a long way. That's at least how I look at it. Joe C. from XL Primetime, noon to 3, Monday through Friday. But we got you for the next half hour. Dr. George Bari, suited and booted, ready to go on That's a Sunday. It. Right? I'm ready to go, Joe. I don't know whether I'm telling you what we have been through some weather. We've been through uh, like uh, either uh, 80 degrees to a bunch of rain to cold, cold, cold. I don't know where we are right now. <laughs> this is supposed to be uh, spring break, right? Yeah, the official just the start of spring break, beginning of the spring. All right, now listen, uh, we're going to hammer a handful of topics. We've got some injuries to get into. Uh, we had a show last week that was a little bit off the joint pain. A topic that we usually hit, so we want to hit some of the questions that we had from last week. But if you have a question, it could be joint pain, it could be health-related. We always like to hear some of those things because it kind of gives us a little bit of a direction. Maybe our audience uh, will send us in. So uh, the text line, real easy, 641-1010, designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Let us know what you're thinking about when it comes to joint pain. But last week, your dude, Dr. Brent Stotman, was yeah. in with us. Yeah, so my friend, good friend, Dr. Brent Stotman, the gastroenterologist, otherwise known as a GI doctor, mm-hmm. he works at Digestive Disease Consultants, was here uh, for about half hour, talked about some stomach issues, common stomach problems. We had a, one or two listener questions. And then we, we had a, a couple more questions sent in that we didn't get have time to get to, so we decided to ask him. Off the air, well, you know, yeah. we'll, and then we'll disc- answer right now for yeah, the Yeah, because he wanted he wanted us to sign him to a ten day contract like an NBA player, <laughs> and uh, I said, "Look, Doc, come on, yeah, you you're at Digestive Disease Consultants, you're working hard." Although he did try and make a play for a co doc starring role, he was trying to he was trying There's to only get- one Michael Jordan. <laughs> Exactly. All right, Joe. There's only one mic for the radio doc over there. All right, but it was uh, about uh, basically intestinal health. And so the question was, diverticulitis runs in the family. Should I get a colonoscopy more often? So just so everyone knows, diverticulitis, itis, inflammation, mm. inflammation of your gut, right? And, and you get and it starts having pain and cramping. And it can be very severe and go to the hospital. But his answer was diverticulitis or, or diverticulosis and a history of it does not increase the risk of colon cancer by itself. You should have a colonoscopy every 10 years starting at the age of 45 if you have no personal history of polyps or family history of colon cancer. That changes to a colonoscopy every five years if you have a personal history of polyps or a family history of colon cancer. So basically, diverticulitis, you do not have to have increased Mm -hmm. colonoscopies. Uh, just because you have diverticulitis. Now, I think there was a follow-up question yeah, the, after that. The follow-up is, in, in, is it against, for diverticulitis uh, patients, where you should not eat popcorn, and that's just one of those and things. Nuts. Yeah, right. any any type of nut or anything right. like that, a seed. So I will tell you this. So the answer, he said, is as far as eating popcorn or seeds and nuts in general with diverticulitis, it is a myth. You mm-hmm. should have a high-fiber diet, and seeds and nuts in moderation should not be a problem for most people. So I will say this. When I was in residency, you know, in residency, we always start off the first year, even if you do orthopedics or neurosurgery, whatever it is that you do, your right. first year is a general year where you do a little bit of everything. You do like three months of internal medicine, you do a month of emergency medicine, you do two months of ICU, uh-huh. and that's so you're a well-rounded doctor, right? And so you at least have seen and heard 
of the common stuff that you're going to deal with right. as a side note of your specialty. I remember diverticulitis when I was a resident. So now first year, we're looking at four or five, I don't know, nine years ago. Mm-hmm. We would tell patients, don't eat nuts or seeds. That was a common thing we used really? to tell people 10 years ago. And then as I progressed in my residency and I became more, did orthopedics, but you mm-hmm. still deal with people who, you know, they broke their leg and at the same time they have diverticulitis because in the hospital, et cetera. There, a lot of studies had come out saying, you know what, all that stuff, that was actually a myth. It wasn't real. Real. So you can't eat seeds and nuts and popcorn. But when I was a resident, I remember my first year, that was a thing that we would tell patients is, oh, you have diverticulitis? Don't eat seeds or nuts. And was it more than anything else just trying to get a field doc for, uh, like, this is a dumb question. This is the, the radio Dr. DJ over here. But were they worried about things getting caught in the intestinal tract? Yeah, they were worried that the seeds would get stuck and cause more inflammation. All right, I'm going to tell you a crazy and funny and then maybe a sad ending, okay? Oh, okay. All right? So... This is one of the more bizarre things I have ever witnessed. I am playing golf. I know you're not shocked by that. I'm having a good time. I'm in my cups. We are, we, are, we are drinking. We are having a good time. And so I'm with a couple of work buddies. We are up at Amelia Island playing one of the more beautiful golf courses, uh, Oak Marsh. Just absolutely love this golf course. Anyway, we're goofing around. It's a big event. We're having a great time. One of our guys, Dan, uh, uh, one of our sales guys in radio comes up to play with us, and we invited him up, so we got us a full force. So anyway, Dan doesn't play golf all the time, but he's having a good time. Bottom line is we are cutting up. My buddies are betting him left and right, doing all kinds of craziness. <clears throat> One of my guys says something right before Dan putts, and Dan falls, like, basically falls down the ground laughing like a big guffaw. He could not. I mean, he just went, <laughs> well, guess what? He had a T in his mouth. Oh, no. And he went down and went, <laughs> he swallowed the T. I don't know how it happened. No. But it happened in an instant, right? And so he goes, and all of a sudden he stops. He's, he's making all these faces. We're looking at him. He tells us that he just swallowed a T. And we're like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. Well, then all of a sudden he comes out of it and he's like, whatever. you know. And he, and he, and he kind of gets a little adrenaline rush and he's not even worried about it. Two or three minutes later, he starts to realize this is going down into my stomach. What's going to happen next? He right. starts to freak out a little bit. Right. Bottom line is we had to take him back to the country club. He went to the emergency room, and they had to put yeah. whatever. The scope. The yeah. yeah. And basically flush it out at some point. Like two or three days later, they were able to get it out of there. But they had to go in and make sure that everything was okay because it was a wooden tee. Yeah, it can splinter. It can pierce. Right? Yeah. You That's- believe that? I believe it. I mean, I've seen people swallow crazy things. That's that's you know pretty dangerous. You know, if you get um a little rupture in your soph in your esophagus, uh-huh. it's, it's very deadly. You know, people if you get a ruptured esophagus, it's very right. deadly. So he's lucky nothing happened on the way down when he swallowed. Golly, it just it blew my mind. I never ever could have imagined. And he did it. It was a single move. Like my single move is I hit the golf ball. It's so bad. I'm already reaching in my pocket and getting another golf ball out to put it on the tee. That's my single move. But he swallowed a tee in like a half a second. It was unbelievable. Can I ask you a quick, quick question? Yeah. I don't, I'm not a big golf guy. Yeah. But why is it in every other sport you can yell at people and scream at people and you say, you suck while they're doing a free throw. But in golf, God forbid you cough, then it, like the whole world ends. They, uh, why is that? They got the marshals with their hands right. up. 
Please be quiet. I don't get it. Uh, I'll, my simple answer to you is we're a little sensitive, okay? We are a little sensitive. And it's so funny. If there are even shadows that move, then you'll, you'll see a guy freak out because it robs him of his concentration. I will say there's way more noise and music played in surgery than there ever is in golf. <laughs> you do have a playlist inside the surgery room. We, we play music. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Which uh, you know, On that note, uh, you do have some really cool stuff on Instagram, and I've heard the music and the playlist. It sound, it's cool. You like it? Yeah. Yeah, so I have a, a girl in my office who does my Instagram for me because I'm not, you know, I'm like an, a boomer almost. I'm almost mm-hmm. your age. So, But she does a really Easy. good job. She, she, she edits the videos and puts a little nice little play track, yeah, playlist to them. I do like that. Now, you sent me a picture. I want to know if this is on Instagram. And let me know a little bit about what this is because, like, I can send you, uh, I don't know, a, a little bit from the show, and that's kind of my craft. Your craft is operating on people and putting them back together as an orthopedic surgeon. By the way, the only orthopedic surgeon in North Florida that trained under the Dr. James Andrews. Uh, but what was this picture of? So, um, unfortunately, it was a lady who had broken her leg mm-hmm. in, in two places, the, the inside and the outside, and her syndesmosis had widened. And so... We repaired it. She had two screws in the, on the inside of her ankle. She has a plate and screws on the outside of her ankle. Then she had the webbing. We always talk about the webbing, the webbing, yeah, right? The syndesmosis injury, which you can't see, but you can see the two buttons on it, right? So okay. I might post this picture at least on the internet so people can take a peek at it on the on the Instagram and see when people talk about the webbing, you can see those two buttons and yeah. there's a hole in the bone. That hole has the invisible on X-ray sutures that brings the ankle back together. Yeah, that is wild. I mean, that that's something else. And I really like seeing some of the stuff that you do. And now you've also said to me that I can come into the surgical center and watch. You can watch. I'm a little worried uh, that I might pass out, but I do want to I do want to check it out. You could definitely check it out. I mean, we start at 7.30, sometimes 6.30, depending on the day. Yeah. I know that's early for, for yeah. Uncle Joe, but <laughs> it, it can you're more than welcome. It, it can be. I was talking to Pross on the drill because we were doing Players uh, Championship updates Thursday and Friday, and uh, we'll continue this afternoon. But uh, I, I told him I got up and did morning radio for 10 years, and it didn't bother me at all. I could get up four, be in at five, no problem at all. But now I don't like that anymore. I, I like sleeping in. That's it. You're but used did, to it. But I did tell Pross. My old line that I would always have to convince myself, it doesn't matter what time you get up, first five minutes of every day is the sucks. worst. Yep, so it is. Once you once you get past that, you could rock and roll. That's true. All right. Now let's hit a couple of topics. Uh and this these are like draft related guys that we wanted to play a couple sound bites from that that we had. Carson Strong, quarterback at Nevada. Okay, uh, basically went through a knee surgery, which you'll go over. We don't have all the details, but he didn't look like the the guy that a team's going to invest millions of dollars in because he he was hurt. Uh, And then Matt Corral talking about his ankle injury. But let's start with Carson Strong, and you give us an idea of what you know about the surgery and what he's dealing with because his numbers were were pretty poor. You want to hear the soundbite first? Yeah, let's hear the soundbite. Okay, so here's the soundbite. And basically what he's having to do, Doc, is answer to his poor play. Yeah. So let's just roll the so, tape. JJ, run the tape. Everyone's got a different opinion, but I know I'm ready to go. Everyone's judging me based on the tape that I put out last season, which makes total sense. Um, but I wasn't healthy. I had a surgery that required a year for recovery. I came back in six months. My dad tried to get me to not play the first part of the season, but I was like, there's no way. Like, I have to go out there and play for my team. So what I put on tape this year wasn't the full me. So that's Carson Strong defending or making his case for not being the complete player. Because of the injury. Yeah. So he had osteochondritis desiccans, 
which is a bless you. Yeah, it's a lot. It's I always say those big words. I say those are the the big medical school three hundred thousand dollars in debt <laughs> words. Right, you, you go to debt so you can learn these big words. So basically, what happens is the cartilage in the knee separated from the bone. It's not floating around. It's still somewhat attached. It just peeled off and separated. It's like having um, your headliner in your car all of a sudden starts swooping down on you. You remember like those old cars and, and it's, you're trying to push it back up? Still attached to the car, but the, the roof is caving in, right? The fabric. That's what happened to him. So he mentioned they had these biodegradable darts that they plugged it in because there's two ways to have o- uh, these OCD lesions. One is it's a stable lesion, which means you can repair it. One is an unstable lesion, which means it is not repairable and you have to take it out. His was stable. So they put these darts in to push it back. It's like putting thumbtacks into the fabric of your car roof that's sagging down, hitting you in the head after it gets old, right? Put a little thumbtacks in, hopefully it keeps it up. So he had that done. A year later, they realized, a year and a half later, it failed. So he was still having pain. They got an MRI. They realized, well, this is not doing what it needs to do. So at that point, you have to take it out because it's dead, right? It's not working. So what are your other options? At that point, your option is to get a cadaver bone, take that, the cartilage from that bone, and then implant it into the femur. So that process is you have to find a femur that is the same size as the patient. So if the patient's five foot and someone passes away who's six foot five, you can't use this femur. That's a, you, you, it's kind of a, too big of a femur to compare. So you kind of have to have a cadaver bone that's roughly around the same size. I don't remember the exact uh, threshold that you can go around, but it has to be around the same size. So then what you do is usually it's an irregular spot that's that's broken or assuming the cartilage is torn out. So you make it regular. You p- make it a, a perfect circle, the, the, the part of the femur. Then you go to the cadaver bone. You cut out the same circle from that cartilage. You then take that cartilage you took from the cadaver. You plug it in to the femur of the patient and you hope that that goes in and heals itself now there's other things you can do besides that that's very drastic obviously there's what we call microfracture, which is what we do in older population you poke holes into the defect of the patient's femur you don't let them walk for six weeks and those holes will bring out blood and you will grow cartilage in that spot however it is not the same type of cartilage you know there's different types of cartilage so You'll grow cartilage, not the same type, and it's not as good, but it's still better than having bare bone, and we'll do that in older population. Um, but in the young, especially athlete like this, you really want to try to do a cadaver bone because if that works and it, and it takes, then they'll do really well. Uh, I, you know what, Doc? It kind of blows my mind when I hear all the, 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 the ability to take a look at whatever the injury is, have all the resources you have, including cadavers, which is just it's fascinating to hear it all. At the end of the day, Carson Strong now has to prove that he can be healthy again, and he has to prove that he's a good quarterback. And I think that other part of it is is the part that most NFL executives are worried about. We always say that when you make these decisions, it's tough enough to figure out which guy to draft. It's even tougher when you're trying to figure out which guy to draft that has an injury history. Right. You know, these these are big injuries. They're a big sur- they're a very big surgery. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a big undertaking to do the surgery. It's a lot of equipment. It's a lot of time. The worry about these surgeries, and there's different ways to do the surgery. I gave kind of one of the simplest ways. But right. you worry about when you take this bone, right? It's a it's a press fit, which means that if I take a bone out of that, that cadaver that's, I don't know, five, milli- five centimeters, whatever, five millimeters as a circle, right? I'm drilling a five centimeter circle in the, in, the, in the patient's bone. So this thing is a tight fit, right? It's not like you put it in something slor- to a right. larger hole. 
So you got to take it and you got to mallet and hammer it in. And there's different that ways. Hurts. Uh, it hurts. It does hurt. But then the fear is, am I killing the cartilage because I'm smashing it to get into the bone? Okay. And so there's other companies that say, well, listen, instead of doing one big plug, you do like the snowman. You do like a, lo- a bunch of small plugs, but then you have gaps in between. So there's pros and cons to every technique. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the fear, right? The fear is that this doesn't take because as we're doing the surgery, the cartilage dies because just the technique of it, I got to smash it into the bone. And if I smash it too hard, right, is the cartilage going to die? Yeah. So that's what you got to wait and see. I don't know how long ago he had this surgery. I, I want to say, and I'm trying to uh, see if I can find him, but I want to say his was in the December timeline. Yeah, so it's still early, right? Yeah. I mean, you need 12 weeks for it to heal, to, to kind of the bone to take. So that's January, February, March, February, March, depending when he had it. Right. Then you got to see how he's doing, right? He hasn't really played very well in, in a long time. Yeah. And he has to go back and do rehab. And I mean, it's a, it's a big surgery. It's not like you're doing two small poke no, closes. No, true. You're slicing this open like a knee replacement to get into the joint, yeah. right? And So we'll just you got to see how he does. And you just have to have that stability back before you can start working on anything else. Yeah. So... You know, we'll see. There's, there, Like I said, there's other techniques. I did one on an older gentleman. It's a different technique where we take some bone graft and plug it in and, mm-hmm. and put some glue on it to heal. Uh, so there's a lot of different techniques. Uh, this is the 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 best one that we would do for younger people. Right. But it's, very, it's much more time-consuming, and it's a bigger surgery for the patient. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to one of the other guys. Hear his soundbite. Matt Corral, Ole Miss quarterback, really talented guy, and the guy that I can picture in the RPO world, which is run-pass option, which is what we're seeing a bunch of in the NFL, uh, that he's got a chance, a real chance, to, to maybe be a good player for a long time. But he went through several ankle injuries, Doc. Not just one significant injury pain that he had to deal with, and he was able to play through it. He gets hurt for the final time of his college career in the bowl game. And this is early January. Uh, people were saying, hey, you shouldn't play. There's nothing to play for, yada, yada, yada. He said, I'm playing. And 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 then he gets hurt, and they go, see, we told you so. And I love the fact that Mackerel said, screw that. I wanted to play for my team, for my teammates, and I went out there. No, no apologies, no regrets. But here's what he had to say uh, coming through the combine about the ankle and the rehab. You know, it was a quick recovery. The doctor said six to eight weeks, around six weeks. That's when I started feeling back to 100%. You know, prior to that, uh, I was just spot throwing and, you know, just lifting and trying to gain weight. You know, I haven't haven't really uh, ran much, but as soon as that six-week marker hit and I was able to run, I started doing my five-step drops, seven-step drops, started running, training for the 40. So I didn't get much of that in because it was two and a half weeks of, of just doing that. And, you know, I figured if I wanted to put my best foot forward, I'd just, you know, not push it and just wait to my pro day on March 23rd. Now, he rolled an ankle pretty bad going all the way back to October, Doc. And then he was able to play through it. And Matt Hayes, I think, was kind of describing it to you during XL Primetime earlier in the week. I mean, this dude put it to the test. Yeah. And now he's just trying to wait it out for the, for the you know, the, the, the most amount of time that can pass to make sure it's fully healed. Right. So he had a bad high ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. And Matt had asked me, hey, listen, if he, if he has a bad, high, a bad high ankle sprain, why does he just get the surgery and get it over with? Well, you, remember, just because you have a sprain doesn't mean you need surgery. Right. So you can have a sprain of the high ankle, but you're, you're still stable, right? So that ankle joint is still underneath the hood. So what happens is your talus, which is part of your ankle, mm-hmm. is underneath the tibia, which is your shin bone, right? So and it and it moves underneath it. The tibia, the end of the tibia, is like the roof of your ankle. Okay. And the talus is the bone that moves around it, right? Okay. 
It's like a ball and almost like a. It's not a ball and socket, but if you think of it that way, that's like what a it ball is. joint. Yeah, yeah. So, a high ankle sprain. What happens is, the the fibula, which on the outside the bone, keeps the talus inside, right? Mm-hmm. So when you have a high ankle sprain, the fibula and the tibia spread, and now the talus, which is the ball underneath that in that socket, right? The ball underneath the joint moves out from underneath, and now it's kind of like peeking its head out the door, right? It's <laughs> like, well, that's not good. It needs to be inside inside yeah. of it. So if it's torn like that and you have instability, you absolutely need surgery because you're going to cause a lot of problems. But you can have a sprain and you're not unstable. It just hurts, right? So there's a lot of tests we can do in the office for it. Um, there's you know certain tests you do on x-ray for it. You get an MRI to see if it's fully torn or not. So if it's not fully torn, you do not need just the surgery to do it. Like, you know, just do prophylactic surgery. That's not mm-hmm. how that works. Mm-hmm. If it's a sprain, but it's stable, you watch it. You let, wait for them to heal, and you go about your day after it's healed. If it's unstable, then we talk about that webbing surgery, which is the picture that I showed you before, sure, right? which yeah. I'll, I'll pop on my Instagram. Um, but in that case, yeah, it, it, there's no, there's very rarely other times to do prophylactic surgeries. There are some things in medicine where you want to fix before they do get worse, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a handful of stuff. It's not like you fix stuff just because, oh, uh, well, there's a surgery for it. Let's just fix it even though it's not torn. Well, I want to get into one other um, in the in the foot area because we've covered the knee, the ankle. You're a foot guy. I am a little bit of a – I'm a leg man. You're a shoulder guy, I know. But I'm going to get to the feet. I love feet. TLD's feet in particular. No one else is really. Just <laughs> just the lovely Diane's. But uh, I want to get into Deion Sanders and what went down with prime time yeah. and an unbelievable series of events. Can you describe – how things got worse for him. Yeah. Basically, he went from a leg injury to have to losing toes. Yeah. So I don't know what his original surgery was, but I know he had a surgery on his leg or his foot. Mm-hmm. And then he gets a blood clot. Now, normally we think of blood clot, it's the, the common term is economy class syndrome because in theory, right back in the day, you think, well, you sit in economy class, you're cramped up, you can't move, you get a clot, you know, it goes to your lungs and bad right. things happen. We've learned that even first class people get Get blood clots. True. You have to be careful when you're on your <laughs> private jet, Joe. Yeah, I, I got to remind myself yeah. of that. But a blood clot normally is called a DVT, deep vein thrombosis. Mm-hmm. It means your blood in your get a clot in your vein, and the blood cannot go back out of the limb. The veins, remember, push blood out of your limb towards your heart. So if people have a blood clot, usually get a lot of swelling. They can get a lot of pain because it's swollen because the blood is pulling in that limb. Mm-hmm. And it's tough to get out. So if that ha- and that's dangerous because you can go to your lung and then cuts off the blood supply and you die, right? Big problem. Scary. Very scary. That's why you put people on blood thinners after certain surgeries, et cetera. If you have a DVT and it's not too big, they just put you on blood thinners. Mm-hmm. If it's huge, there's some surgeries they can do to, to fix it. But anyways, what he had was an arterial thrombosis, which is way less common. Right. So he had a blood clot in his artery. What that means is that blood was not able to get to his toes, to his feet. And the toes and the feet in the body are the bo- are the parts of the body that get the least blood flow. So diabetics get their toes cut off. Mm-hmm. Smokers get their toes cut off because it has it's the most compromised part of the body. Okay, so when he wasn't able to get blood, in the article he said that his foot became painful. Right. Just think about when you have a tourniquet, a blood pressure cuff on your hand, on your arm, how it starts hurting right away, right? Because the blood starts yeah stop, and then as the tourniquet lets down, you feel the blood rushing back. So it basically had an internal tourniquet because there was no blood going down. He, he said his foot got cold. His foot got dusty looking. His toes became black. And 
they had to cut off two toes. They said at one point they were afraid they were going to cut off his leg. And that's what happened. That's how dangerous it that's was. That's how dangerous it was. So it can be very dangerous. It's very scary. It can happen in theory from any surgery. There's a couple of things that, that increase the risk of blood clots. Number mm-hmm. one, birth control. Birth control increases the risk of blood clots, right? Number two, smoking. Number three, surgery. Number four, uh, cancer. So those things increase the risk of blood clots. If you have a patient that just shows up at the doctor's office, my leg hurts. Did you drive long distance? No. Like that's also a risk, driving or flying. Yeah. Did you uh, have a recent surgery? No. Oh, let's test you. I mean, chances of blood clot are low, but let's test you anyways. And it comes back positive. A lot of times you worry about, well, is there a cancer we don't know about that's causing this blood clot? So that's also maybe part of the differential diagnosis. But anyways, having a blood clot is scary. It can happen from anything. There's some surgeries that increase the risk. And listen, I've had a patient, not me, excuse me, when I was in residency, like Achilles tendon repair. I never never put patients on blood blood thinners. Mm -hmm. None of my attendings ever did it. I had one attending who did. He had an 18-year-old he did an Achilles tendon repair on. The guy got a blood clot and died Ugh. at 18. Yeah. And all the studies say you don't need it because it's so rare for that surgery to get a blood clot. And mm-hmm. it happened. And that's one of those things that, unfortunately, life happens. It's one in 10 million. You're that one. It's a disaster. Mm-hmm. So now he used to put everyone on, on blood thinners. So yeah. After that happened, he got burned. He's like, screw it. Everyone gets blood thinners. So can you do a test in advance? No. Okay. So, you, just, there, you just do the blood thinners. Right. To... So like, okay, when I started um, residency, a lot of times we would do, it was a kind of a thing to, for total knee replacements and hip replacements, they have a high chance of blood clots. That's why mm-hmm. we put people on blood thinners for four weeks. They used to test people no matter what with ultrasound after surgery to see if they had a blood clot, right? And they found a lot of people with blood clots and they put them all on blood thinners. And then they realized, wait, just because you have a blood clot, does that mean it's bad for you? Yeah. So then they did these studies saying, well, you know what? If the blood clot doesn't hurt, it doesn't cause symptoms, it's probably too small to do anything. Mm-hmm. And then they found out, you're right, only have to treat symptomatic blood clots. Okay. So, But if you have symptoms like your leg is swollen and it's hurting, you got to get it checked out and make sure that it's nothing I, bad. I, I had a perfectly healthy guy get in, the ro- get in the car and do a long road trip like you're talking about and ended up uh, finding out that he had a blood clot. Right. A perfectly healthy guy. Right. Where did that? I have it, no idea where it came it from. It happens. I mean, like I said, if he smokes, it increases the risk. He's right. not. He's not on birth control. It's right. something that we don't know about. <laughs> but you know, there's things that can increase your risk. And listen, you could just be a perfectly healthy person and get it. Mm-hmm. You've heard of this guy. You know, guys who run ten miles a day, drop dead mm-hmm. of a heart attack. Yeah. I mean, things like that unfortunately happen in life, um, and it's unfortunate. And we can, you know, we can do all these tests, and there's some things that are just going to slip through the cracks, and it's going to happen. Yeah. But that's why they say long road trips. Every hour and a half, two hours, you should get up and just walk get around. Up and walk. Stop at the gas station, walk around, go yeah. to the bathroom, do whatever to decrease that risk. Yeah, and that, and by the way, a, a good way to do it is you hydrate yourself. So you drink a bunch of water. So you have to go pee, and then you got to go take a leak. You have to and go that way to the nasty can... bathroom. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, but at the, but at the very least, you are getting up because most people are like they're they're doing exactly what you're saying. I don't want to go to that bathroom. I'm all just so you know. I am all about yeah. stopping a thousand times on my road trip. Yeah, I, I'm I'm into it too. too. I, and if we include a little drive through, we'll sit down. I'm good with that too. Yeah. All right, Doc, I love that. Let's finish on that note. Let's eat a lot today, okay? Let's do it. Uh, but let's also walk and exercise, people. Uh, hey, we appreciate all y'all listening, breaking bones. Don't forget if uh, if you have questions, you uh, want to a- ask a question, we'll try and get to it next week. You can hit the text line before we're done six four one ten ten. And if you missed all all or part of the show, you can check it out. 
podcast? Apple, Google, and Spotify. It's a Breaking Bones show. All right. So Dr. George Bari, check him out at Bari Orthopedics. And Joe C. right here on XL Primetime. Have a great Sunday. You've been listening to Breaking Bones with Dr. George Bari and Joe C. on 1010XL.